This is Channel 253. In this episode of Interchangeable White Ladies. I think yeah. sometimes, mm-hmm. especially when we talk about like dismantling white supremacy, it's often like, well, like what text can you read? Mm-hmm. Or like, you know, right, yeah. what sort of like organization can you be a part of? And it's yeah. always part of this system because in in my opinion, it's like what white people understand, right? Yeah. Like they yeah. understand yeah. how to like fight white supremacy within systems. Like right. it feels safe and comfortable. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We We fly fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. Hi, I'm Melanie Denise Cunningham. And I'm Audrey Cunningham. And we're the host of the Channel 253 Podcast, What Say You? This episode of Channel 253 is sponsored by PeaceWorks United and the Greater Tacoma Community Foundation. We're here to remind you that the 2020 census is getting underway and that you, yes, you, should participate. That's right. I know people can get nervous when someone from the government shows up with the clipboard. But here's the truth. Participating in the census will help us get our fair share of representatives to Congress. It will help us get more federal funds to our community, improve our school districts, and many other things. And you don't have to be a voter. You don't have to be a citizen, even. In terms of the census, you count. Ten questions, ten minutes. Census day is April 1st. Fill out that form. Thank you to PeaceWorks United and the Greater Tacoma Community Foundation for your sponsorship of Channel 253 and getting the word out about the 2020 census. One, two, two. interchangeable. White ladies! Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. I'm Annie. Today's essential question is, how is hair discrimination a not-so-subtle manifestation of racism and white supremacy? Or, as Nate Bowling from the Nerd Farm Podcast says, why can't white folks just let black folks do what they want with their hair? Today we have a special guest with us. Uh, Jenna Hanchard is a lifelong community storyteller who has spent her career centering and amplifying diverse voices. Jenna is the leader of culture and innovation at The Riveter Co., a women-run co-working and community company poised to become a modern union of working women. Jenna spent the last decade of her career as a broadcast journalist in New York State, Kansas City, Missouri, and most recently in Seattle, Washington. She is a three-time Emmy Award winner and an Edward R. Murrow Award recipient. As a reporter and anchor, Jenna was responsible for cultivating, researching, managing, writing, and producing regional and national news stories. In Seattle, Jenna created the Emmy-nominated series Race and Parenting, which explores how families of different backgrounds talk to their kids about race, racism, and identity. The series is currently being used as a tool for a local school district and racial and local school districts and racial equity groups. Subsequently, Jenna created a follow-up series called Race and Sports, which was awarded a regional Emmy Award in 2019. Jenna grew up in the Chicago area with family roots in New York City. For the last four years, she's been soaking up the Seattle rain and scenic landscapes of the Pacific Northwest. Oh. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me on your yeah, show. Yeah, Absolutely. Did Excellent. we miss anything in your bio that's no, part of like, like framing or context? <laughs> no, that I feel need like to it's know pretty about covered, you. covered everything. Yeah, I think we I think we covered everything. Excellent. It's quite extensive and awesome. Yeah. Uh, what drew you to journalism as a career? How did that even start? Man, I started in um, 
in high school, I actually mm-hmm. wanted to be a poet and mm. um, my parents told me they were not going to pay for like me to major in creative writing in college. Like yeah. that is not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. That you can continue like, to we write love poetry. You, but... Exactly. Yeah. But we're not going to pay for this. Um, so I decided that I was going to start kind of working on journalism and I was always interested in all different types of issues. Um, and so, yeah, I started working on the high school newspaper nice. and then I got an internship when I was about 16 mm. in Chicago um, at the NBC station there. And it was for um, kids of color who were interested in getting into the news industry. Mm-hmm. And so you start interning at 16 years old mm-hmm. and you go through different departments. That's and the idea awesome. is like after you graduate, they would then situate you within this space, within these uh, news media worlds so that wow. you can have like more people of color within these spaces. Yeah, so, that's yeah. rad. That's so cool. Yeah. So it's kind of like an apprenticeship, but in the in news media and like exactly. in the newsroom. That's amazing. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. It was a great experience. Wow. So you were, so, how did your journalism work? I hope we're going to ask something else. Oh, no, go for it. Perfect. I was, well, I was wondering, that journalism work, how did that lead you lead to your work at, at The Riveter? Because that, it seems like, um, it's in some ways kind of like a natural shift to um, kind of, the, it's like co-working. Um, how how did you get, how did you get there? Did you, did someone say, hey, come and do this thing with us? Or did you, like, was it your brainchild? Like, how'd that start? No, it was actually kind of a little bit more, um, I guess a little bit more dramatic than that. Yeah. <laughs> I had really, I was kind of done with local news yeah. and I kind of felt like there were a lot of um, barriers and limitations to exploring the types of stories that mm. I wanted to tell yeah. um, and the ways that I wanted to tell them. I wasn't yeah. interested in telling them in the same um, local news format, which mm. is like a minute and 20 seconds yeah. and you get these yeah. short like 10 second sound bites. I wasn't interested in telling them in that in that format anymore. Yeah. Um, but I was getting a lot of pressure to tell them in that mm. format, right? Um, and it was becoming more challenging to pitch stories that were about race and equity, mm. um, right? Because mm. those kind of disrupt the narratives that news organizations feed off of right. to get ratings and, and views, right? Yeah. And so right. I think for a while, remember, I'd been in a newsroom since I was 16, right? So, um you know, about half my life, right? So for mm-hmm. a while, I thought that that was really kind of the only path for me to tell stories. Mm-hmm. And so I woke up one day and I said, you know what? I'm finished. I'm done. Yeah. Um, and thankfully, this job had kind of come up my way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought this could be a really cool opportunity to explore storytelling in a different way, um, equity in a different way, um, and kind of step back and do something different and figure out um, whatever that next step is. So that's kind of how it came to be. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I want to add a little context too, I um just for Jen or for our listeners about Jenna. So some of you might remember her from nerd a couple of nerd farmer interviews. Mm-hmm. Um and then also um some of the work that we did with um Tacoma Against Nazis. So Jenna was kind of nice putting yes. some of that story together um on King Five. I mean, that was what, a year and a half ago? Yeah, that was like a that? year and a half ago. My goodness. Yeah. I know it's crazy to think about. Yeah. So, what work awesome. do you do now at the Riveter? Like, can you define that a little bit? I know we mentioned it briefly in your bio, but can you describe what that is? Yeah. So, right now, I work on kind of developing partnerships and programming um, a little bit under this equity lens in order to kind of advance equity at women. I'm sorry. In order to advance equity um, of women at work, and so. 
for example, I know one of the things we'll talk about is the um, hair discrimination bill, but one of the things we're working on is um, kind of a larger programming partnership to uh, amplify these bills across the country. Mm. So we're doing kind of this Crown Act tour. And I'm not sure if it's going to be called that, but we're doing this tour where we can obviously have this conversation at our different locations yeah. across mm-hmm. the nation. So that's one of the things we're doing. Um, the other thing that I did, which was pretty cool, is we had this huge summit where we were talking about Equity of Women at Work, and I got a chance to kind of co-produce this short documentary mm-hmm. about the experiences um, of women of work across the country. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of been cool is to jump into these different projects, yeah. um, because this is a startup, right? It's a star- startup that's a co-working company. Um, but that's interesting in addressing these larger issues around yeah. women at work. Um, so I get a chance to jump into these different projects here and there um, to explore those questions. That's awesome. So it leaves it kind of open-ended for you to to learn more and explore things that you're interested in. Yes. That's rad. Yeah. So is that connection what got you involved um, with the bill that just went through um, Washington State Legislature? Or is that something – Was that what was the connection that got that started for you? Yeah, so for me, I've always been, I mean, as a black woman, as a black person, I've always been interested in issues as it relates to um, black women at work because it's a very personal experience. Um, And so for me, I started, I've never had to or never permed or straightened my hair, Mm. relaxed my hair in any way. But I knew that within the industry that I was in, And for most black women, they do feel that pressure in order to um, conform to um, white beauty standards, Mm -hmm. right, within the workplace. And so I've received that pressure. I know other people had received that pressure. And so I knew that speaking up and out against this was something that I wanted to fight for. Mm. Um, And I actually I approached my boss about it and told her that I wanted to go testify um, in Olympia. And she was like, absolutely, go do it. Yeah, yeah, you should go. And my coworkers came with me. And it was awesome. It was such a great experience. Mm -hmm. And so this was something that I wanted to do aside from where I work, but something that my work and job supported wholeheartedly, Mm -hmm. which was great. Yeah, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like, I mean, I do you think it's harder for for black women in like highly visible professions like you're seeing broadcast journalism that's your per, like personal experience broadcast journalism but like for educators for um people who work in like healthcare or like where they're interacting with the public do you feel like um or in you know in the media are that pressure's a lot higher for black women in particular yeah i mean i've only worked in um one industry i can tell you anecdotally mm-hmm. that from what I understand, it this is true across the board, yeah. right? This is true within every space, yeah. I think, within every professional space, right? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe, you know, less so for, um, I don't know, someone who is part-time or mm-hmm. working freelance or working kind of within a creative industry, yeah. maybe less so there. But I think this is true across the board, mm-hmm. right? I think that... Um, when we understand and what we think about black people and blackness, mm. it is always looked to be controlled by white people. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. It is always looked to be controlled, especially in p- professional mm. spaces. And since we're always othered and since we're always seen as threatening, mm. right, those hairstyles are seen as threatening. They're because, symbolic of that threat. Yeah, they're yeah. symbolic with those things being associated with our race. Yeah. And so um, they've historically been controlled, yeah. right? Um, and so... 
I think that if we think about historically in the spaces that they've been controlled in, mm-hmm. which is, have been the plantation, which has been slavery, yeah. which has been the education system, mm-hmm. which has been these right. professional systems, they've been controlled in all these spaces, yeah. that it's... Uh, that it makes sense to believe that they would then be controlled within every other professional mm-hmm. space. Mm-hmm. I have a friend who works in, um, she's an actor and she was working in Chicago and then in LA. And she's actually from Tacoma, but I don't know how many times she's posted on Instagram that she is in, she's preparing to record like a TV pilots or commercials and that she has um, done her own hair because there are not folks who are, who have the skills necessary to, to do her hair for, shoot for shoots like or for um for programming like that she does her own hair for all for everything and her hair always looks incredible because she actually does it herself right and she has that you know she's been doing it for her whole life but the fact that that's not available right and the fact that people are pushing against it in hollywood and saying like hey we need to have if we want hollywood to you know to reflect what america looks like right we need to have folks who have the skill required to take care of everyone's hair like this is not about just like white women's fine hair like you know that we need to have folks on staff who can who can do that and i i didn't realize that that was such a um how pervasive that was that lack of support for black women in the media like it's incredible yeah i mean i definitely didn't have anyone doing my hair because we yeah. don't have we don't have that t- we didn't have that local yeah. news doesn't have that <laughs> right. kind of budget yeah you know yeah. um but i do know that people that um do have those kinds of budgets like larger media right. productions um that yeah, and at that point, you know, I think we think of it as like, oh, we can't find anyone. But these are choices, right? right. These are choices right. that totally. um, institutions, that companies make to say we don't care to look for right. um, yep. someone that's going to be uh, yeah. able to. Or like do we her value in, you enough to exploit your talent, but we don't value you enough to hire someone who can who can help your hair look fantastic. Like we just don't care that much. Like we no. want it, we want you here long enough to make us some money, and we don't really. Those little things, they're considered like incidental, but they're not incidental for Mm -hmm. an actor who's on screen, right? That's not incidental. That your whole career is your appearance, right? And your talent and like how you present yourself, you know, to the, to the camera and to the audience. And so that's not incidental, right? It's. And your audience knows. I mean, yeah, right. <laughs> you look. Right. You can look and tell when someone like has a has a bad wig or a bad right. weave or <laughs> yeah. bad hair or whatever it is, right? Like your audience can tell. Your black audience members can tell. Your audience mm-hmm. members of colors co- color can tell. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's not just a disservice to the individual, but it's a yeah. it's, it's a disservice to the product to the story. Absolutely, yeah. Um, I um, I'm thinking a little bit about. Um, why so um, I feel like this topic has kind of made it in terms of like getting some more publicity and like we're recognizing several states are starting to pass like as you mentioned the crown act um Mm -hmm. I'm curious if you could speak to why now like as you mentioned this is something that's historically gone on for a long time what do you think has led to this place now where it's kind of risen to the surface in this type of way and we're actually seeing change in a positive way Yeah, you know, I think that's a really good question. A lot of folks are trying to figure out, like, what is it about this moment that's allowed us to kind of pay attention to Mm -hmm. this? And Mm -hmm. I wanted to... I wanted to highlight this one woman. Her name is Ajoa Asamoa. Um, and she's actually the woman, she is a political strategist. And she's actually the woman who helped get the Crown Act um, going and passed within California. She doesn't get a lot of credit, but I wanted to make sure that we give credit where credit's due in the mm-hmm. space. Um, yeah. But she was the one to kind of get this 
pushing. I think, too, we've seen some of the stories around um, what's been happening to kids in school. Mm-hmm. You know, the yeah. kid that got his dreads cut off in the middle of his wrestling, mm-hmm. wrestling tournament. And we've been able to see these very kind of visible acts. And so I think when we hear about it anecdotally within someone's office place, yeah. it may not necessarily hit home in the same way. When you see a video recording of a kid getting his hair cut off mm-hmm. um, in the middle of a wrestling tournament, I think that that hits people differently. Mm. And yeah. I think that when we see more of those and we hear more of those, um, I think that it's starting to raise the attention, quite frankly, of, of white folks, right? Mm-hmm. Black people have yeah. known that this has been going on for some long, some yeah. time. But I think when white people can see it, I think it, it looks a little bit different. Yeah, Definitely. Well, you know, it's the responsibility of white people to dismantle white supremacy. Uh, people listening, if you forgot, um, just FYI, that's a thing. Um, yep. So, I mean, yeah, like, let's do it. <laughs> um, yeah. Are there other high-profile cases that you can think of? I mean, like, there's that um, – there's a, like, we've seen a lot of these, like, highly visible examples of, of just discrimination. Like, I, I'm wondering if there are other – that folks would have been on folks' radar in like the last couple of years of seeing examples of this happening in media or there's the there's the recent story of the kid that um, was brought kid from Oklahoma the one mm-hmm. that wasn't able to um, that they told wouldn't be able to cross. Um, not cross, graduate. Yeah, um, right. So walk I was on just, stage. Yeah, I was yeah. just reading about the yeah. And wow. he was able to, um, I think Ellen gave him like a yeah. um, check for graduation. Yeah. I think he was able to go to the Oscars for Hair Love, that right. short yeah. Um, yeah. Um, cartoon or animation that was able to talk about these issues. So, Did um, his school district ever change their mind about that? I don't or? know. I don't know. I don't okay. know if they ended up changing their mind about that. Yeah, that I did read about that. And I you know it's um it, it, I feel like that's uh you know when there's also kind of the visible like um kind of swing the other way of 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 people like Ellen who have a really big platform, right? Um and for like I mean the fact that uh, that he was invited into that space and like to the Oscars, right? That it sh- it elevates that story in a different kind of way to like hey you guys pay attention like America pay attention, right? This is really serious and this is not like um, so I'm glad that people like Ellen and, and you know the folks that I, who was he who did he go was it with the producer of Hair Love yeah that, that's it, incredible exactly yeah it was with yeah. the director of Hair Love that he was able to, to bring go that on attention stage. right to, absolutely to what's going on yeah. yeah yeah that's awesome would you be willing to walk us a little bit through um, what has happened in Washington State in terms of passing our own law and kind of that process you mentioned a little bit earlier about your involvement in terms of testifying but I don't know if all of our listeners have been tracking a little bit oh he's, talk, his school district's gonna let him graduate sorry I just I just oh, they are? Oh, yeah, good. yeah 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 oh, okay good. okay go ahead sorry I didn't hey, mean to interrupt the question good. Um, Yeah, Representative Melanie Morgan has put forth the bill which Mm. would um, hopefully protect folks um, from hair discrimination or at least be able to have some sort of um, legal recourse if they are discriminated against. Mm -hmm. Um, And this would be specifically protected based on hairstyles kind of historically associated or at least perceived to be Mm -hmm. associated um, with race. And Mm -hmm. so that is a really big component, right? We're not mm-hmm. just talking yeah. about like protecting if I want to wear my hair blue or right. like like yeah. green, right? That's not about this. This is about things that are historically associated with me being black and brown. Yeah. Right. And so um 
when the bill was in, it started in the House. So when the bill was in the House, I, along with several other folks, mm-hmm. some folks from the Urban League in Tacoma and Seattle and mm-hmm. some other folks, there was even one white woman there, which was mm-hmm. great. Yeah. Um, and um, we went to testify about the bill. That bill passed out of that House committee mm-hmm. and then was um, passed off of the Senate floor. I'm sorry, for the House floor. Mm-hmm. And then it went back into a Senate committee and it passed out of that Senate committee. Cool. So the next steps would be to Go have to it read on the House on, and Senate. Yeah. yeah, on the full, full the, for the full Senate. That's awesome. And then hopefully the governor will sign the bill. Yeah. So, you know, we have Washington State that's working on this right now during this session. You have Colorado that's working on this during this Mm -hmm. session. You have Kansas that's working on this um, during this session. So there are a lot of states that are working to kind of get something passed um, during this session. So it is super exciting to see this underway across the country. Mm. That's Mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. Uh, Let's take a quick break. And then we come back. We're going to ask you about what. Um, we can do as white people to continue to support this work and what does it look like in terms of playing out in our office spaces and in education and so on. Hi, Hope. Hi, Annie. You know how all these giant global companies are basically lawless now and are trying to overpower our democracy to protect their profit margins? Yes. And how it's basically impossible to opt out of the late capitalist system we've created? Sis, you don't have to tell me. Well, listen, I found a first step. Tapco Credit Union, Pierce County's original credit union. Really? Tell me more. Well, credit union means they're not-for-profit financial cooperative, and they exist to enrich their members, not some big bank shareholders somewhere out of state. And they are Pierce County's credit union, dedicated to serving the local community, just like Channel 253. Ooh, that's pretty interesting. Well, what about their services? I mean, I can't live without mobile banking. Am I right? Right, right. So now you don't have to choose between important services and your ethics because Tapco offers mobile banking, access to a nationwide ATM network, plus lower fees and better rates than a lot of the big guys. Ooh, I gotta say, I'm pretty impressed with that. Tapco's a local choice. To learn more about keeping your money local, visit tapcocu.org. Thank you, Tapco, for your support of this podcast and Channel 253. Listen, we know that you enjoy the podcast on Channel 253, so here's what you should do. You should go to channel253.com slash membership, and you should get a membership. It's $4 a month, $40 a year. It's less than a cup of coffee. You really need to do it to support the station that you enjoy so much. Okay? Station. I call it a station. It's a network, okay? You're networking when you're a member. Do it. Is that okay? Is that Not, weird? Nice work, it got weird near Good the job. end, I think. Welcome back. Um, <laughs> as if this is like a live radio show. Like, and here we are today <laughs> on Interchangeable White Ladies and with Jenna and Annie. In case you forgot, and we're talking about back back hair discrimination I've always wanted to do that, so that's why I said that. Um, so, Jenna, help us understand, like, what can we do as people? a lot of our listeners, you know, our community members that are want, want to get active in politics or are active in local politics. Mm-hmm. What kind of things can folks do to help make sure this bill gets passed? What kind of thing? Let's start with that first. Yes. Okay. So I have some information. So you can call your Washington state senators and representatives urging the legislative hotline or using, I'm sorry, using that legislative hotline. That's Mm 1-800-562-6000 and tell them I'm calling to support House Bill 2602 because everyone deserves the right to wear their natural hair and choosing not to pass this bill would directly perpetuate systemic racism in our country. 
Mm-hmm. Hey. So call and say that. Um, there's Excellent. also a petition, um, a Crown Act petition. This is kind of a larger um, petition by the Crown Act. Now, mm-hmm. it is associated with Dove. You know, they hopped on board. Mm. <laughs> you got it. You got it. You got it. You got to commercialize it somehow, right? Um, Wait, but, I want to ask you more about that because yeah. it sounds like there's a backstory. Yeah. <laughs> Dove, has, Dove has been kind of working on, you know, spa, helping this uh, Crown Coalition. But there are a lot of organizations, um, the Urban League, um, a lot of political political strategists um, and representatives across the country and local educators, actually, who are working to um, get this bill moving forward. And so what the Crown Act petition would do would help to kind of move this legislation moving forward in mm. Um, mm. other parts of the country. Excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you could just Google that Crown Act petition. That's awesome. Yeah. Great. We'll add it to our show notes there, too. So Dove, Dove is... They're like promoting, like they're yeah encouraging people to like how's how what's their role in um, kind of yeah so they're promoting they're kind of organized they're promoting this in um kind of part of their mission they're mm-hmm. um, sponsoring some folks as far as um, like different pop up events and different um, activations and stuff like okay. that in different parts of the country interesting um, and they're kind of raising awareness of it on their platform like high profile. Platform, like, because they're Absolutely. they're a really recogni- recognizable brand, right? So they're that's great that they that they're doing that. Because I know that, like, that, I don't know, a lot of big brands like that hesitate to do the right thing, right? They they hesitate to like get behind initiatives that matter. So yeah. that's awesome. That's I think really it's good. part of that whole kind of social impact movement for a lot of brands, yeah. right? Like, right. What's going to get folks to be able to? I mean, it's great that they're doing it, but it's probably, you know, part of that, right? What's going to get folks to be able to kind of get on board with these issues. See themselves in in the branding, right? Which is part of, yeah, corporate strategy to to help themselves sell soap, you know? Exactly. uh, (laughs) I mean, I'm glad they kind of match it. I mean, I'm glad glad they're doing it, (laughs) you know? But that's what it is at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. So true. But thanks, Doug. Well, I I cannot help but think about, like, some of their ads that have been really awesome and then some of the ones that were like missteps a little bit uh-huh like yeah and just people's responses to that and then being like oh my bad so it's interesting to see um i don't know i guess the next iteration of that mm-hmm. work yeah mm-hmm. um, absolutely so appreciate those really concrete steps that folks can um take to get That's involved in supporting the legislation in washington um I want to talk a little bit about what folks can do in terms of like everyday fighting white supremacy um, that manifests itself in hair discrimination. So I think about people in the workplace, thinking about people in, in the grocery in store. Um, yeah. Do you have any takes on like what that would look like or what um, we should be thinking about when it comes to fighting that on, on, you know, the ground in the everyday life? Yeah. So that actually call to action was written by my colleague, mm-hmm. um, so that morning when I was going to, getting ready to go testify, two of my white colleagues canceled all their meetings in the morning, mm. came with me, mm. um, and were there to support, um, and then also came back and wrote an entire call to action for our entire organization mm. that was internally facing, and then wrote an entire call to action externally facing, right? Yeah. And this is based on the research that they did. I didn't give them any of the text or the context to kind of write That's this. Awesome. This is what they put together. A lot of times, and I know a lot of what your show is about, is that a a lot of this work and a lot of this emotional labor mm. obviously always 
always falls on people of color mm-hmm. to be able yeah. to do this and also to be able to do like the research on what exactly they need to do right mm-hmm. they need like mm-hmm. this handout on like how do I be better right because mm-hmm. they for yeah. some reason don't know you know and so it's like and that's why we have a show it really is convenient yeah. for us <laughs> exactly you shame know. on us actually just ring our own shame hold on hold on hold on <laughs> Yeah. And so, you know, I think that um, what has been beautiful about the place I work now is being able to see white women in particular stand up and really be able Mm -hmm. to kind of take that emotional labor and emotional burden Mm -hmm. off of the people of color and say, no, I'm going to do the research and I'm going to present it to everyone. And then Mm -hmm. I'm going to make this so that Jenna doesn't have to do that. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, That she testified and that's enough. And I could be there to support her. And then after that, I can do the work to encourage and to um, also get other white folks to um, raise up. I think sometimes, Mm -hmm. especially when we talk about like dismantling white supremacy, it's often like, well, like what text can you read? Mm -hmm. Or like, you know, what sort of like organization can you be a part of? And it's always part of this system because in in my opinion, it's like what white people understand, right? Like they understand how to like fight white supremacy within systems. Like it feels safe and comfortable to them. Can I donate my money to this charity that will do the thing for me? And if I read an article, then I can highlight it and then I can like post that on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Or even like what's the like org that I can be a part of that's doing this? Like (laughs) it has to be part of this like formal structure, right? right? But like what about, you know, a microaggression at work and you're yeah. able to kind of dismantle that and disrupt that in real time, mm-hmm. you know, or you go and report that to HR once you see that happening just mm-hmm. so that it's on the record. Right. Yeah. Or so yeah. that you go and not necessarily like console or comfort like someone mm-hmm. afterwards, but disrupt that in real time. Yeah. You know, and I mm-hmm. think what I've seen, at least recently in my work experience, is I've seen white people, but in particularly white women, mm-hmm. being able to disrupt racism within real time, within yeah. it happening in front of you. Mm-hmm. And that, to me, is the work, I think, that needs to be done to not just support hair discrimination, mm-hmm. but just to, you know, disrupt and, you know, and dismantle racism everywhere, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of what I see as, as the biggest work that needs to be done. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. If there's the opposite of the gonna... shame bell, there's not. Okay, well, just um, we should have an opposite of the shame bell, which is the praise <laughs> praise bell. I don't know. We don't <laughs> have anything like that at all. That's true. That's, that's what... we should do that. Women, white women should be doing that. Like, and also, we have a little bit of a church, like a little bit of a thing. Um, it's, a, it's a lot of white women in education. So like leverage that to be better. <laughs> period yeah yeah absolutely yeah we kind of dominate yeah, so that scene. I was thinking about that in terms of school then right so kind of narrowing it down a lot of our listeners are mm-hmm. educators um and thinking about the disruption so kind of taking what you just said like continue to disrupt in the classroom <laughs> or in the hallways calling mm-hmm. colleagues out when they are making comments about somebody's hair um other things that either of you think about when wh- how we can approach this in terms of the school environment I think that even asking to see what kind of policies exist on mm-hmm. um, district levels, because mm-hmm. I'm, from my understanding, the Seattle Public School District did pass something recently, yeah. a new policy, which would protect kids from being discriminated against because mm-hmm. of their hair um, as it relates to kind of um, 
hairstyles that are historically associated with race, right? Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. I think even asking your school district if there are any policies like that that exist unique and specific to that school district is something that folks can do. Um, And if it doesn't exist, then get one created. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, Mm -hmm. because this... Um, Crown Act bill that's being passed in different, and it's not called the Crown Act in every Mm. state, but that's essentially kind of the umbrella um, legislation. Um, But this Crown Act bill would also protect students and kids within schools, Mm because we're not just seeing it, obviously, in the the workplace, but we're seeing this in schools. And some restrictions on on kids are more, they are more, schools are more restrictive on students than, like, they would be restricted, restricted in the general kind of, like, public settings, right? Like, um, even freedom of speech is limited in schools in in certain ways because of the way that they're set up. So, I mean, if you think about, like, that's one place where um, discrimination or um, or even just, like, limiting kids' ability to express themselves is socially acceptable because of just the way that the Supreme Court has said, like— no, you can't express yourself the same way at school that you can in public, right, in other public settings. And so I think that's an especially important place to affirm for kids that they are valued and that they that they have that they have worth, right, that you are beautiful as you are and that um, that this is not that that's one place where it really matters. And especially, I mean, for young people developing self-concept teenagers, you know, thinking about like, you know, looking at, um, you know, symbols of oppression is essentially saying to them that you are not fine the way you are that you that the way the hair grows out of your head is is not acceptable right that that what message does that send to teenagers who then become adults who then right pass that on or who live with that pain right or have so, to go get a job after that yeah. right like how right. do I after I leave school right. then what is the acceptable way yeah. right to get a job professionalism is really, um, and especially these narratives around professionalism, yeah. it's really around whiteness, right? And right. white, um, the way we speak and the way we yeah. dress and the way we wear our hair, right? right? And so how are we training kids mm-hmm. um, in order to fit into these systems of, of white supremacy? Yeah, and then also how do those professional expectations intersect with other types of, like, other identity? I mean, you think about, like, um, like gender expectations or heteronormativity, right, that... Um, there are so many pressures already and you know how do we how do we make this how do we make the world just a better place for everyone to exist but especially black young people right where they have so many intersecting things that are kind of pressing on them to be to fit into that white box absolutely yeah yeah, I was. I wanted to ask you a little bit about. I I love the choice of words here. I I noticed you kind of caught yourself a couple times to be really specific. Historically, uh, hair hairstyles historically associated with race. Um, is there a backstory for why that fra- that wording ended up being mm. the wording you settled on? Yeah. So it is um, in part the wording of the bill, and I think that that is like very important that we kind of recognize that. I think mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. A lot of folks um, outside of the black and brown experience see hairstyles are one of kind of choice or kind of this like freedom of expression, um, right? Like I'm going to choose to wear a mohawk today, right? Or like I'm going to choose to get like to dye my hair blonde, right? When black and brown folks have a very different historical relationship with their hair Mm -hmm. um, than Many other cultures. I can't speak to all, but I know many other cultures, and I definitely know for for white 
for white folks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And so I think it's really important to make sure that um, we understand that, right? That um, when we think about like cornrows, right? And we mm-hmm. think about kind of the history of cornrows and yeah. why um, certain folks were braiding um, rice into their hair to keep to protect, to have something to grow Mm -hmm. when they got here, right, Mm -hmm. on a ship where they were braiding patterns into their hair so they could figure out how to escape to freedom, right? So Mm -hmm. this isn't just like a style, Mm -hmm. you know? Or historically, when you have different cultures different African cultures that their hair braids kind of decided like what tribe they were a Mm -hmm. part of or um, if they were married or if they were not Mm -hmm. married, right? So these things are passed down Mm -hmm. and representative of a much larger historical context. Um, So it's not just wearing a mohawk, right? Or Mm -hmm. like wearing your hair blue, right? These aren't just kind of like choices, but these are things that are kind of been historically associated with us. And so it's really important to make that distinguishing factor and to have that protection written mm. into that bill. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. absolutely. Thanks for explaining that. I, I probably should have asked that earlier, but I, I've been kind of mulling on that um, that wording and that framing over here yeah. a little bit. Um, is there anything else you think that is really concrete in terms of what schools should be doing, what teachers could be doing, um, or anything else we haven't asked you that you were thinking about on the way over? No, I mean, I think just being aware, right, and reading and being knowledgeable about what's going on and being supportive. Um, I don't think that these incidents are isolated incidents, Mm -hmm. right? These things that kids experience in school or how they're asked to wear their hair or not wear their hair, um, how they're asked to cut off their dreads during a wrestling match or not being able to graduate. I don't think that these are isolated incidents. And so if these things are happening in parts of the country, they're probably happening in your school too. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yep. So what are, what are we doing to make ourselves aware um, to these incidents and what are we doing to dismantle them? So again, finding out what kind of policies exist, right? Finding yeah. out, has anyone reported anything like this to our school before? Yeah. What are we mm-hmm. doing in order to, um, address this and make sure that kids feel safe in this environment, right? Um, so I think it's really incumbent upon us, whether that's educators or whether that is folks within the larger education community, um, to kind of see what systems are in place already to support and protect. And if they're not in place, then demand that ones get in place. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, that's good. Yeah, it makes me think about, like, this actually seems like it would fit really well under our harassment and bullying policies that a lot of districts have. Yeah. Um, so I'm curious to do a little bit of digging in terms of what's going on with that and in I, different districts like, across Washington. I think Washington. also that let's talk about how kind of the harassment, intimidation, and bullying, the worst harassment, intimidation, and bullying in schools comes from adults. So mm. let's talk about how we train adults in school buildings mm. to suck less. And I don't mean, I'm not saying that all of them, I'm not, listen, I have a lot of amazing coworkers, but there are those folks, old guard, right, who just do not, will not change, right? And if we're not, like, if we're not making sure that, not making sure that new staff are trained or that even that old staff are trained, right, that you, that you have, like, about just not touching kids' hair, right, Mm. period, accepting students' for who they are, right? Not seating kids differently because of their hair, right? Like mm-hmm. just policies that don't feel in the moment like they are harmful, 
but are harmful, right? That educators need to be aware of those things. And I think mm-hmm. I'm thinking specifically some of some older folks who just they just do not think about it. Older white folks yeah. that do not think about it and they don't care and they need to care. Yeah, I mean, I think about white folks my own age that yeah. <laughs> that yeah. don't care. <laughs> Me too. You right. know, that, that like every day say like wild things. Like every time I go get my hair done or get it braided, my mm-hmm. hairdresser always jokes. And she goes, I want to create like this sheet that black women can hand out to their coworkers who always comment yeah. after they get a new <laughs> hairstyle, right? Like it's super othering, right? And it's super yeah. like, oh my gosh, I don't know anything about you yeah. or your hair. Yeah. And so I'm going to make all these comments like, wow, this is so beautiful. How long yeah. did this take? Is that all yours? Like, I don't want to hear that in the office place. Do yeah, I, do, do, yeah. you know, do I do that no, to you? No, never. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, not, no. Yeah. Because I'm just going to start doing that to white women. I'm be like, how yeah. long did, is that real? And then is how your long hair did real? Your, how how much did, did you pay for it? Exactly. Can I touch your, can I touch yeah. it? No. And it's all rooted <laughs> in these like ideas around the fact that like we're expected to know your hair, right? Yeah. We're expected to know right. how long it takes, how often you wash it, what you right. do and don't do with it, right? Yeah. But you have no expectation to know or learn uh, yeah. about um, anyone else outside of outside of whiteness or white yeah. grooming. Uh, yeah. practices right and yeah. so yeah. when I think about those comments those are coming from my peers yeah. right yeah. those comments right. around like you know what I think we think of as being nice or complimentary yeah. are really othering yeah. right in a lot mm. of ways yeah. um, and even some of the comments like you know wow your hair looks really wild today or what mm. you know these sorts of language that kind of um, yeah really suggests um, really racist ideologies right around yeah. what's considered wild and tame and um, right. and things like that, right? And so those, those are comments I get from, from peers yeah. every day. That can be disrupted. Ring that shame bell. Ring oh, that yeah, shame hold bell. hold on. Got it. Yeah. For shame. Those can be disrupted in real time. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Those can be disrupted by white people in real time. Yeah, absolutely. They don't have to mm-hmm. be like after the comment is said in the break room where you come up to me and say, right. wow, I can't believe can't someone so said that. Right, yeah. like, what do you mean you can't believe it happened? Yeah. I can't believe you didn't say anything in the moment. You right. saw it, yeah. right? And a lot of yeah. times, I, I don't really believe that it's, you know, folks necessarily, like, don't see it happening, right? Yeah. They see it happening, yeah. and they feel yeah. uncomfortable. Right. They're just not comfortable speaking up in the real in real yeah. time. They don't Fact. want to sacrifice or yeah. risk that alignment with whiteness, right? right? right. In that moment. Yeah. And so they wait, and they think that after the moment mm. helps you it's feel good better. Enough, but it's not, yeah, it's it, not it, good enough. It's not good. No. Period. <laughs> right? yeah. That's a microaggression. <laughs> yeah. Right? Coming to me after yeah. the fact is a microaggression. Yeah. 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 Because yeah. that means you didn't care enough about my safety in the moment to say anything. Right. You just cared about right. yourself yeah. in order to come mm. to me afterwards to make me think yeah. that you're on my side, but right. you're not. But you're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think those are the things that we that we need to be thinking about right. in real time. I think also for white folks listening, like have if you are don't have things prepared to say. <laughs> practice though. Um, practice. Prepare. Why not? You know what the like, world's gonna be like. Practice. Like you know what these you know what these comments sound like. You know what they feel like in the moment. So practice when you're just in quiet quiet moments by yourself. You know how would I respond if someone said something really racist yeah. at work? Like how would I? What would I do? Right. Just think about it because the the hardest part sometimes. You know when you have those situations where you're like. 
you're like um, mad, but you're so mad that you're kind of blinded by your anger and then you don't know, you can't say anything, right? Practice. You'll, practice you can say something. Practice the, the comeback, right? And practice it yeah. every day, right? White people, are you listening? Do you do it Hopefully. anyway about other stuff. Like, just do it. Like, just do it. Just practice. That's true. You got all kinds of opinions about Bernie. Why can't you have an opinion? About yeah. So everybody has an opinion about Elizabeth Warren. Can you just step, please, for the love of God, practice? Absolutely. That's your only homework. Absolutely. You know, it, what you just said also reminds me of a couple years ago when I read um, Robin DeAngelo's book about white privilege. Mm-hmm. And there was a line mm-hmm. there about like that white solidarity. I hadn't, and you just mentioned mm-hmm. it again. Like, I had, yeah. like, I'd experienced it plenty of times in my life, mm-hmm. and I always like, this is awkward. Like, <laughs> white solid- what are yeah. you doing? Oh, and yeah. you're like trying to separate yourself, and you're kind of like, oh. Um, <laughs> uh, but, but many a times, as you pointed out, like yeah. we often don't say anything. We should. Um, since re- like hearing that framing and that term, right? I, I I'll start to see it coming a mile away, and I'm like, oh, oh, here it comes, here it comes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out like, how do I get away? I'm like, yeah. we do not have white solidarity. We, you and I are not the same. Exactly. No, I don't want to no, talk no. to you. We're God, not the same. We do not have the same perspective <laughs> on this particular topic. Exactly. So I'm, yeah. I've become way more, I don't know, militant is the right word, but I'm just like, nope, nope, time out. Time nope. out. British lady who caught me in the side. elevator the other day was going off about Pakistanis in Britain that were ruining the country. Nope. I'm like, nope, nope time oh, out. No. Nope. You uh-huh. and I, nope. not no. on the same page. Nope. This. Disrupt that. Not on the same page. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like a good time to slide into our champagne yes. and real pain. Champagne and real pain. Champagne for my real friends, real pain for my champ friends. So uh, this is a figurative glass raising. Um, I'm over here at night not drinking in Abu Dhabi, and you all are not drinking in studio, sadly, today. Um, but if we are raising a glass of champagne to someone Symbolic. who's doing awesome things, doing things, doing the work, um, who would that be? Um, I think all, I mean, just the state legislatures that are actually taking up the, taking up hair discrimination, period. Like, I, this was a, there was this, um, the, I mean, Texas, Texas lawmakers actually considering a, a ban on <laughs> yeah. hair discrimination. Listen, Texas, we're talking about Texas. Not the, not the chillest place for people of color, of any color right like sometimes very draconian in their laws Mm. about race about immigration about um law enforcement about um yeah there's liberal pockets there's there's liberal pockets there's human rights yeah there's a little some pockets in the austin dallas like i mean in dallas is pretty blue i don't know if you know people are aware of that but like thanks thank you lawmakers in texas for taking that up thank you for black lawmakers Mm. in particular for Mm -hmm. doing hard work where white people should be stepping up and doing it in solidarity or doing it to begin with. Um, and just like Texas doing things. That's my champagne. <laughs> Jenna, any champagne? Yeah, I'm going to give a champagne toast to my two white lady colleagues who really stepped up to not just support this, but create some very specific targeted language. And I'm just going to read it again because it was so great. They're asking people when you call to support this bill to Mm -hmm. say, I am calling in support of House Bill 2602 because everyone deserves the right to wear their hair natural and... Choosing not to pass this bill would directly perpetuate systemic racism in our country, right? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. there's no, like... There's no equivocating. Like, that yeah, is it. Like, that's yeah, that's it. 
Right. Yeah. Like, I think sometimes we think that if we don't speak up or say anything, mm-hmm. that it's just us protecting ourselves. Mm-hmm. But what we're doing is choosing to perpetuate systemic mm-hmm. racism. Right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. when I don't say anything in that break room, when that mm-hmm. microaggression happens, yeah. what I'm doing is choosing to perpetuate systemic racism. Mm-hmm. When you mm-hmm. do step up and say something, you are choosing to disrupt systemic racism. Mm-hmm. Right. right. So there's no safe space. Mm-mm. It's either you're disrupting or you're continuing the racist system. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yep. so I think it's incumbent upon white people to not just apply that mentality, mm-hmm. but to communicate that to other yeah. white folks. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And especially white women at work, because there's a lot of history, yeah. um, especially in the dynamics, especially between white women and black women at work. Right. Or women yeah. of color at work. Mm-hmm. Um because they, they choose to kind of ally in this gender way, mm-hmm. um, but don't really ally in any other intersectional way, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this, to me, was an example of saying, I am your sister. Mm-hmm. I am going to be your ally. I'm going to be an advocate, and mm-hmm. I'm going to dismantle. And so today, this morning, I'm going to raise a glass of champagne hey. to my two white lady colleagues that Excellent. were disrupting. Good work. Love that. I'm raising my fake glass, invisible glass over here. Um, I would like to raise a glass to Representative Morgan for getting this going in Washington State and um, leading the work and creating partnerships and Mm -hmm. um, making this happen. Uh, So I'm really excited about that. So raising a glass. Uh, Real pain. Who gets real pain? I know who I'm going to get real pain to. Go ahead. You got it. Okay. Shame on the New Jersey wrestling ref, Alan Maloney. I looked him up for this episode. The one we've been talking about who forced the kid, um, Andrew Johnson, to cut his dreads. Mm -hmm. And also, not just him. Okay. By the way, he's trying to sue for defamation. Get out of here, bro. Shame on you. And furthermore, shame on every single one of those white people that were in that like room in that space watching it happen and approving. And Remember when didn't it first came out, I was like, "Wait, nobody anything? interrupted this. At least nobody that made it into a newspaper article." So it makes me think maybe they did under their breath, but they didn't actually like put any, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know, skin in the game, like go out and do something yeah. um, to try to stop it. So uh, shame on them. Yeah. Any other real pain no, that's, from you two? That, that's a good one. I think you got it. I think shame on just the overall systems for mm-hmm. allowing this to mm. move forward, right? It mm-hmm. often falls on black and brown individuals to mm-hmm. raise awareness of these individual examples, right? And mm. then we can think about, you know, racism when it comes to kind of individuals. But these are larger systems at play mm. that have allowed this right. to, to sustain for so long, right? Yeah. And so shame on these systems. Mm-hmm. Yep. Shame. All right, Annie, final segment. Do your fudging homework. Interchangeable. White ladies. We're going to use the shame bell a lot today. I was really pleased with that. Shame bell got a lot of use. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Good job. Raise your glass to yourself. Just kidding. That would be too much. Uh, I want to tell listeners to go watch Hair Love if you haven't. Where have you been? It's been everywhere. You should have watched it ages ago. But anyway, go anyway and watch it again. Um, And I also want to challenge listeners 
to think about the way that you perceive other people's hair, what's one, what's not your business, two, getting educated as Jenna was bringing up, like just understanding what's going on, like educating yourself about it and then challenging your own notions. So that's part of that like implicit bias that happens with folks where we sometimes don't even realize like we're thinking this thing, we see someone and we think this thing. So try to catch yourself thinking those things and work your way out of never thinking those things. Mm-hmm. Um, my, my homework as ever is learn history. Uh, so I got to shout out Teen Vogue for pivoting from pretty vapid fluff to hard, more hard hitting journalism in the last few years. I just love Teen Vogue. That's Elaine. That was their, um, black woman editor in chief that did that. Brilliant. Ah, And just like, just changed the game for like, I mean, we're talking like, I see older teenagers, 17, 18 year old, you know, 16, 17, 18 year olds reading Teen Vogue, and they're, listen, it's awesome. Uh, There's an article called A Brief History of Black Hair Politics and Discrimination. You need to read it because it's helpful. Primer. Uh, We've got a lot, some history today from Jenna, and that was really helpful. Learn more. There's not, you never stop learning, um, and you need to, you need to just do it. So um, there are a lot of resources available online. Um, Don't, don't make asking your black acquaintances, friends, and coworkers your first Option, ask Mm-mm. Dr. Google first because there are a lot of great resources online. Um, and make that, you know, make that your homework. Do that. Mm-hmm. Okay? Okay. Jenna, homework to add on here? Yeah, I would say look and see kind of where your state is, what they've passed, what they haven't passed. Mm. Look at your local school district again to see what they have or have not passed. Mm -hmm. Um, That is your homework. And if there isn't a bill that is forming in your state... Um, then you need to figure out how to get one started. Mm-hmm. If there is, you need to figure out how to show up to support mm-hmm. and vocalize that. That is my homework lesson. Excellent. That's great homework. We love it. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time and your energy and everything else. You'll be doing a million other things, but you came Thank and you so us much. Today. We really and appreciate it. We really it. are grateful. Thank you for having me. It's been a blast. Awesome. Bye. Bye. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We, we fly, fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. And then. Oh, uh, cool. Thank you. <laughs> have a napkin Thank you. <laughs> Fancy plate. <laughs> <laughs> the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is part of the Channel 253 Network. Check out our other shows Nerd Farmer, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B Team, We Art Tacoma, and What Say You. This is Channel 253.